Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven would be as when a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them, and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I've made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I've made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to be here together today to worship you. We pray that you would focus our hearts upon you now, that you would place your words in my mouth, Lord, and that you would speak to our hearts, that we might encounter you powerfully today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is so good to see you all today. Well, I love ice cream. That's not a shocking statement, is it? But I do. I mean, it's so good. Anyone else like ice cream? Anyone not like ice cream? Are you serious, Ray? Last time I was like, I was six. Wow. 
Now that is a shocking statement. <laughs> but I love it. I mean, that that balance of sweetness and creaminess, the texture, the the coldness on your tongue, the ability to freeze your brain with it. I mean, there's so many neat things about ice cream, right? So you can understand, I'm sure you can empathize with me, how hard it was for me when I went on a date with our youngest daughter, Ella, and I got her a bowl of ice cream, but none for myself. Can you imagine the the turmoil that was going on in my soul at that moment? Right, And, and you can, I'm sure, understand when... She would turn the other way, and I would sneak a little bite, right? I would, she'd be looking at something else in the store, and I'd just grab the bite and then put the spoon down real quick and pretend like nothing happened. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You would do the same, wouldn't you? Steal from your three-year-old? Yes. Well, I mean, because she can nurse a bowl of ice cream until it's all just melted, Right? Till it's like half full of just juice. Right? And who likes ice cream like that? Oh, ew. <laughs> no, it has to be cold and frozen. That's how I like it, at least. Right? She just likes it as oversweet milk. But me, I like it that. Fr- and so I, I was trying to help her. I was doing the kind and generous, faithful thing as a father and preserving a nice frozen mass of ice cream with no drips on it. You see, stealing a bite is so much easier than asking for a bite. Don't you think? Isn't it? It really is, isn't it? Come on. Because stealing a bite, all you need is like a half second of courage, right? Asking for a bite, what does that require of you? The risk of hearing no. Anyone like that risk? I hate that risk. Right? I would much rather snatch one and just take it for myself, then, then risk hearing no. Right? Because me stealing a bite reveals about me two things. One, that I assume that my three-year-old will say no to me, which she probably won't. I mean, because she's super sweet most of the time. <laughs> so that assumes that of her. And the other thing that it assumes is that I am selfish and that I put my desires over anyone else. All right, those are the two things that snatch and the bite mean. And also that I really like ice cream, right? Which I guess can cover a multitude of sins. Something like that, something like the stealing of the bite of ice cream is happening in our gospel passage for today. Right, we have the gospel of Matthew. And in this gospel, uh, Jesus says the kingdom of, of heaven is like a man who goes away on a journey. And while he is away, he gives three slaves a certain amount of money to watch over and care for. One gets five talents. Uh, Talent was a lot of money, right? It was a ton of money. It was like 20 years of labor for a normal laborer. Uh, He gives one five talents, one two talents, and one one talent, each according to how gifted they are and how he thinks they'll invest it. Now, no mention is made here of expecting that they'll do anything with it. He doesn't have any kind of clause that says, like, I expect to make 15% on my investment or to beat the market or whatever. Um, No, he just gives it to them. But in short order, the first two slaves invest and make more money. The third, what does he do with the money? Buries it in a hole. That's right. Very intelligent thing to do. Uh, because he was, you know, worried he didn't want to lose it in the market. It was volatile times. The Dow Jones was like maxing out at about seven, I think, in those days. 
And so the master's gone for a long time, and he comes back and he invites in the slaves to ask them uh, what has happened to his money. So slave number one comes in and says, uh, what does he say? I doubled it. That's right. You gave me five. Here's five more. And the master's reply is, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. It's this great congratulatory blessing that the master gives slave number one. So then slave number two comes forward and he says, you gave me two. I made two more. So the master says again, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Both of these guys, regardless of how much they had or how much they, uh, regardless of what they were given initially and how much profit they made, both of them are given the same encouragement. Both of them are given this blessing and this welcome into the joy. Boy, this is going well at this point. You think it's going to keep going this way? No, I don't think so. Everyone's happy. Everyone's getting rewarded. And I'm sure that slave number three, you know, the hole digger guy, he was feeling pretty confident, right? Everyone else is entering into the joy. So he's thinking, ooh, this is going to be good, right? And so he rolls in with what I would consider a fairly bad sales presentation. In slave number three's words, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Not the best presentation I'd ever hoped for, um, but that's what he tries. To which the master replies, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you? that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this isn't the simplest of parables, is it? It's not one that has just an easy moral that we can just kind of apply into our lives. This one's a little more complicated. I mean, it's, it just seems to, to defy nailing down. But... There is a main theme in this parable. The main theme that this all comes down to is not how we invest the talents, which is a kind of an easy fruit that we think we might grab a hold of. It's not about how we invest the talents. Rather, it's about how do we perceive the master. Now, I've always viewed the master in this parable like slave number three. Anyone else ever seen that or thought that, that this master is obviously a jerk? Right? I, I kind of empathized with uh, slave number three for a long time. And I thought that the parable said that the master was harsh and wicked. But you know what? This parable does not ever say that he is. The parable does not ever assert what slave number three says. Instead, the master's response to slave number three just goes, with, goes along with his belief. He says, you say, do you say that I'm a harsh man? Well, here you go. Here's some harshness for you. 
There is no, um, the master never is established as being a harsh man. Rather, we see the master as joyous and rewarding in the other two examples. We see him as welcoming, as, as giving gifts to those who have blessed him, as welcoming them and blessing them and, giving them and bringing them into his joy. That's how the master is seen. It's only to the slave who sees him as mean that he is mean. Now, the way the talents are used points back to this point about how the slaves view the master. The first two, they see him as loving, and so they want to serve him openly and bless him. The, serf, the third slave sees him as harsh and doesn't want to do anything for him. This relationship with the master shapes the behavior of the slaves. Is this making sense? Right? How they perceive the master has everything to do with how they invest his talents. In this passage, God is trying to tell us something about our relationship with him. He's trying to show us that relationship shapes behavior. When I'm snatching ice cream from my daughter's bowl, what am I showing? Sneakiness, that's right. And what is the sneakiness motivated by? Selfishness, greed. Hey, that's not very nice. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely greed. And what else? What does it say about how I view my daughter? Yeah. What's that? Easy mark. That's right. No, you're right. It shows that I see her as selfish and greedy too. Right? I put my brokenness upon her and I say, she obviously wouldn't share with me because would I share with her? Well, maybe a little bit. But, you know, I am a person who wants the whole bowl for me. That's what this parable reveals to us, is that relationship shapes behavior. The reason we do things is because we have a certain understanding of that person we are relating to. So what is our relationship with the master then? How do we see God? Do we see him as broken, judgmental, malicious, vindictive, always repaying evil for evil? If so, this will shape the use of our talents. They will shape the use of the resources that God has given us. We will be selfish, shameful, hiding, secretive, and controlling. It'll just happen naturally, won't it? Because it's shaped by the relationship. Or do we see him as loving, gracious, the giver of all gifts? If so, we will be generous, faithful, caring, and loving in response to him. Now the reality is, no matter how we view the Father, that all of us in some way or another are snatching ice cream from the Lord's bowl. We all, to some degree or another, don't completely trust him. Is that true? Yeah? All of our trust falls short at some point. And this is why Jesus Christ came and lived as one of us, yet without sin, and offered up everything to the Father, even his life, so that God could offer us the free gift of his grace. It was because we are, at, at our very core, ice cream snatchers, that God offered us grace through Jesus Christ. 
So let's receive his grace with joy. And in response to that free gift of his grace, let's offer up our talents to him. Let's offer up our money, our abilities, our strength, our minds. This week, I want to challenge us. Let's remember what God has done for us. Let's think on what he has offered up for us. And let's pray that he would make us conscious of how we invest ourselves, our time, our talent, and our money, so that we might faithfully serve the God who serves us and live out the life that he has called us to live. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for giving us everything. Thank you for living that perfect life, Lord, living a life of complete holiness so that through your death and sacrifice, Lord, we might be forgiven. We pray that you would help us to accept this grace. Lord, in this week, may we live, it, live out that uh, a life of res- faithful response to you, a life which says thank you with our every breath and our every action. Lord, help us to be generous. Help us to be faithful with the gifts you have given us. And may we return them to you with joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.